scripture reading tonight will be read from 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing it up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Before we get started, I do want to mention our gospel meeting will be coming up in about three weeks or so, and I hope that you are making plans to be a part of our meeting. It will be running from April 22nd through April 25th, and I think I said last week that Alan Hires will be speaking on Sunday, the 22nd. On Monday night, Lee Seeger's daddy will be with us, Brother James Seegers, and Brother Lee is a great gospel or I said Brother Lee. Brother James is a great gospel preacher. I guess Lee would be a great preacher if he chose to preach. But uh, nonetheless, Brother James Seegers will be with us, and I know that uh, he has been here before in gospel meetings. And Brother James is, he just does a great job. He's a very good man. He is a preacher, a teacher, an elder. Uh, he is a speaker for a television program. And he does a lot of good, and so I hope that you will be making plans to be here not just Sunday and Monday, but every night of our meeting. And so we want to encourage you to be inviting your friends, your neighbors, your family members. We want to do everything that we can to make this a successful meeting. Tonight we're going to be talking about giving in worship. We've been looking at the various acts of worship, and in the last several weeks we have talked about a number of topics that relate to worship. And tonight we want to think for a moment or two about giving in worship. And I guess on the front end I need to say whenever you talk about a man's wallet or a lady's pocketbook, you are getting close to something that could be called tampering. And so I understand that whenever we talk about money, whenever we talk about giving, it is a sensitive subject. And yet, it is a biblical subject. And I think that we need to very carefully think about what the Bible says about giving as it relates to our worship to Almighty God. And so we're gonna talk about, first of all, the command to give, and then we're gonna look at some of the characteristics of giving. And so tonight we're going to look at chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, and we want to think for a moment or two about the theme, giving in worship. And I understand that the word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. And really, whatever the act, we are giving back to God. We are giving God something. Now, when it comes to giving of our means, that's something that is tangible in nature. And so we're going to look at that and note what the Bible has to say in regard to this subject. As we think about the command to give, we're really here emphasizing the precept to give. And there is a divine command, there is a divine precept, whereby we are instructed to give of that which we have prospered, that which we have been blessed with. And so there are two things that I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, the demand to give. And as we think about this point, I want to suggest, I want to submit to you, that giving is an obligation. It is not an option. We are obligated by Almighty God to give of our means. 
Now, having said that, listen to what Paul said in writing to the saints in Corinth. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. As we think about what Paul is saying here, and Paul here is instructing the, the church, the saints in Corinth, to lay by and store every first day of the week. They are to lay aside the things that, the material things that they've been blessed with so that they might further the work of the church. And as we, as we talk about giving, there are a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, giving is godlike in nature. When you look at the scriptures, one of the things that you have to be impressed with is that God has given to us bountifully in many realms of life. Spiritually speaking, we think about the greatest gift, that being his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. And based on the love of Almighty God, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, here's what Paul said in light of God's gift to the human family. He said, thanks be to God for his unspeakable or indescribable gift. So Jesus Christ was a gift from God in heaven. And then I think about how giving is Christ-like. Jesus came as an offering for sin. Jesus would say in John 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And so when we talk about giving, we need to understand that it is God-like and it is Christ-like. And I think in light of, of those two facts, that helps us to better understand why God would want us to give back to him. Now, I said that it is a command. It is a demand of Almighty God. When Paul penned this letter to the Corinthians, back in chapter 14, verse 37, Paul said, if any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So this is a command of God. When we give every first day of the week, we are complying with the will of God. We're simply doing that which he has asked of us. Now, sometimes people will ask the question, well, why would God be interested in me giving of my means to the church? Well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And we'll amplify on this more in just a moment or two. But for the purpose of, of this point, I simply want to say this. Our giving makes it possible for the church to fulfill her mission here on planet Earth. It takes money to operate the work of the church. It takes money to execute the will of God here on planet Earth. And we're gonna look at the various works of the church in a minute, and we're gonna see that based on what God wants us to do, it takes money. I remember having a conversation with a man not long ago. And this particular gentleman is a member of the church and he was talking about evangelism. And he was talking about the importance of taking the gospel to the whole world. And he summed it up like this, it takes money to do that. 
And we have to understand that. And so we'll talk about that more in just a minute. So the demand to give, and then there's a second thing I want you to see, and that is the day we are to give. Listen to what Paul said again in chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. There are two acts of worship that are exclusive to the first day of the week. One is the Lord's Supper. We have apostolic precedence for the early church partaking of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remind ourselves of the body and blood of Jesus. We only do that on Sunday. That is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Giving is another act that is exclusive to the first day of the week. We can sing from Sunday to Sunday. We can preach from Sunday to Sunday. We can pray from Sunday to Sunday. But when it comes to our worship to God and engaging in the Lord's Supper and, and the giving of our means, those two acts are exclusive to the first day of the week. And so I, I think that we need to be aware of that. When we talk about our giving, it ought to be done cheerfully, bountifully, steadily, and unitedly. When we give as God has asked, then ultimately the church can do her work. I want you to think with me for a moment or two about some of the characteristics of giving. And I have, I have tried to put before you in written form some of the characteristics of giving. And there are a lot of characteristics of giving. There are a lot of things that could be said that we're not going to have time to talk about tonight. But let me just share with you some of the principles that I have outlined for you tonight. First of all, let me suggest that giving is personal. Paul said, and please listen to him, he said, let each one of you lay something aside. Paul here is addressing every child of God, every saint, those of us who belong to the body of Christ, we have the obligation, we have a personal obligation to give back to Almighty God. Now as we think about the personal nature of giving, sometimes individuals get caught up in what is theirs and what's their neighbor's and what's somebody else's and this and that. I would remind you that everything that we possess ultimately belongs to God. We are simply stewards of that which we possess. None of us really and truly owns anything. The Bible tells us in Psalm 50 at verse 12, the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, Paul quotes that very passage. And he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything ultimately belongs to God. You and I, we are simply stewards of that which God has blessed us with. Now granted, everything that we enjoy materially, physically, spiritually, it comes to us from Almighty God. James said every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. God is the dispenser of every good and perfect gift. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul would say that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. There are really three things that we are stewards of. We are stewards of our time, we are stewards of our talents, and we are stewards of our treasures. In light of this lesson, what we're talking about, we have to understand the importance of being faithful stewards 
of our treasures, of that which God has bountifully blessed us with. When we come to understand that everything ultimately belongs to God, it's not as difficult to give back to God. And why is that? Because it belongs to him anyway. Sometimes people don't give as they should because of covetousness. Paul equates covetousness to idolatry in Ephesians chapter five. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the things, the abundance of the things which he possesses. Life is not about things. I think that God has blessed us in many ways materially. And granted, those material blessings have, have enhanced our quality of life tenfold. But many of the blessings that God has bestowed on us in a providential sense could be used to further his cause and not to be used selfishly by our own selves. Now, as we think about this concept of stewardship, there are some people that have taken very personally what God has said about giving. And they have sought to the best of their ability to give back. Many years ago, it was said of Brother A.M. Burton, and Brother Burton was a great benefactor to the church and to Christian education. And when I went to Lipscomb, one of the primary buildings that I met in for classes was the Burton Building. And it was said that Brother Burden, if I'm not mistaken, gave back 90% of everything he made. He owned the Life and Casualty Building in Nashville, and I, I assume he owned the Life and Casualty Insurance Company. But no doubt he made millions upon millions of dollars. When I was at Lipscomb, at that time, Willard Collins was the president. And of course, Brother Burden had been dead for many years. And Brother Burden had left a parcel of land in the Green Hills area to Lipscomb. And if you know anything about Nashville, Green Hills, that, that land is like oil. It's extremely, extremely expensive. And they sold that land, Lipscomb sold that land for about 12 or $13 million for their endowment. All of that was made possible by Brother Burton. I remember Brother Collins coming to chapel one morning and he had a huge bag. And in that bag, he had a million dollars. And he said, I just want you to see what a million dollars looks like. Well, I say that to simply emphasize the fact that we have the ability to give as God has prospered us. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But we can give and we should give every first day of the week. It may be the case that of our own volition, of our own choice, we decide to lay aside a certain amount of our estate to further the cause of Christ after our decease. I think we ought to do that. I think we ought to plan ahead. Brother Burton did. And there are others that have left literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to further the cause of Christ. Do you know what that does? To me, that says they believe what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6 is very real. Remember what Jesus said, lay, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I know of two individuals right now, and both of these men are, are not married. As a matter of fact, I don't think either one, of them, either one of them have ever been married. And both of these men are going to leave their estates to the work of the church. One man in particular leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars 
another man leaving several million dollars. I think it's great to leave money for our children, our grandchildren. I think we ought to do that. But I think we're missing the boat if we don't lay aside something for the cause of Christ, to advance the cause of Christ, to, to, to really ensure that the gospel will continue to be furthered through our efforts. And so giving is personal. We give every first day of the week. But then also giving is to be done proportionately. Listen, if you would, to what Paul said in verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. How are we to give? Well, as we have prospered. I want to ask you this question. How much has God prospered you in this life? How much has God blessed you monetarily and materially speaking? Is it not the case that we ought to give in proportion to how Almighty God has prospered us? I think that's what Paul is teaching here. Now, it's not up to me to decide how much you ought to give. Sometimes individuals will look back at the old covenant and they'll say, well, under the old covenant they gave a tithe, they gave 10%. Really, if you look at what they gave, it was far more than 10%. We live under a better dispensation, a better covenant. And so there is not a stipulation given as to the amount we are to give. In other words, nothing is said about giving 10%, 15%, 20%, etc. But I think in light of the fact that we live under a better covenant, based on better promises, we ought to give as we have prospered. And we ought to give in proportion to how God has prospered us. Everything that you have, Everything that you possess, you possess it because God Almighty blessed you with it. Now, I said a moment ago, you and I, we're stewards of what we possess. When we leave planet Earth, guess what? What we have in the bank, what we have at home, the car we drove, the clothes we wore, all of that does what? It stays behind, doesn't it? Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. But having food and clothing, we shall therewith be content. So, understanding that, that God has blessed us, he's blessed us richly. And I would encourage us to take stock on a regular basis of how well God has blessed us. There's a third thing I want you to see, and that is giving is to be done purposefully. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse 7, let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What do you think Paul means here? I think what Paul is saying is that we ought to prayerfully and carefully consider how much we give each first day of the week. We ought to sit down and look at, at our finances. We ought to see how well God has blessed us we ought to think about the work of the church, the needs of the church, the advancing of the cause of Christ, and then give in light of all of that. I said a moment ago that our giving is what makes possible the work of the church. I want you to think about the three works of the church for just a minute. The first is evangelism. There are two parts to the Great Commission. There is the going, 
and there's the sending. Not everyone can go, but we can send others to preach and to teach the gospel of Christ. We can do that how? Monetarily. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You and I, we may not have the opportunity to go across the globe and preach the gospel. But here's somebody that wants to preach the gospel, and so we, we can lay aside from our earthly treasures and send them across the globe to advance the cause of Christ. Look, look for just a minute at the religious world at large. Have you ever thought about the money that is spent in the religious world at large to advance their quote-unquote causes? You ever thought about how much money they put into television and radio? Let me tell you what. It's incredible the amounts of money people in denominationalism spend to further their causes. And then when I look in comparison to what we as members of the church are doing, it's sad. It's almost embarrassing. It's not that we can't, it's that we don't. I was talking to Jared the other day, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but we were talking about what we preach. And I'm just going to say what he said generically. He said, we preach faith, but they practice faith. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. We preach it, they practice it. Maybe we don't have the kind of faith we need. We talk about evangelism and taking the gospel to the world. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Colossae, he said that the gospel had then gone to the world, that is, to the then known world. Every creature under heaven had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Every person in our world today deserves the opportunity to hear New Testament Christianity. Every person not just in America, but all across this globe. How are people going to hear if we as members of the body of Christ do not give so that individuals can go out into the world and preach and teach the gospel? It won't happen. When, when we talk about some of the efforts that, that we have ongoing to try to get the gospel around the globe or just throughout this nation, in our brotherhood. Do you know how hard it is to raise money in our brotherhood? The problem is not that congregations in many places don't have the money, it's they won't let go of the money. The church of Christ is not in the banking business. We're not a bank. The funds that come in are to go out. And why is that? So that we can execute the work of the church. When we give every first day of the week, we are giving so that the church, as the pillar and ground of the truth, can do her work. The elders, I don't know of any eldership that, that doesn't have a problem 
spending funds. Sometimes the problem is they don't have the funds to spend. But you, you talk to Brother D.O. or Brother George or Brother Tim. Talk to them sometime and ask them about the number of requests that come across their desk every week asking for support to preach and teach the gospel. The truth of the matter is they can't fulfill all of, all of those requests because we don't have the money. It takes money to teach and to preach the gospel. I talked to a gentleman on one occasion, and this man is a multi, multi-millionaire. He has an estate, the last time I checked, worth in excess of $50 million. And I told him on one occasion, I said, you know, I've always had a dream. I've always wanted to see a television program. I've always wanted to have a program on WGN, that's, that's Chicago station. You know what his response was? You're talking about a lot of money now. Well, you know what? He had the money to fund that had he wanted to. We have the ability to take the gospel to the world if we'll only do it. Evangelism and then edification. Grounding people, teaching them, as Jesus said, to observe all things that I've commanded you. It takes money to edify, to build up the church. There is an ongoing teaching and preaching process that has to be executed. And then benevolence. It takes money to help others. You would be surprised how many, how many requests we receive regularly here for benevolent help. And, and I want to say this. I think the elders here do a tremendous job helping people benevolently. There are a lot of people that are helped that maybe you don't know about. But there are a lot of people that because of what you put in the church treasury, they have food to eat. They have basic necessities of life. That's what Jesus wants us to do, isn't it? That's what the Bible commands, that we are to do good unto those who have need, especially those of the household of faith. When Paul said we are to give as we purpose in our heart, I think what he's saying is we're not to give carelessly. It's not to be done accidentally. We don't just reach in our pocket on Sunday morning and whatever we, whatever we take hold of, we throw it in the plate. But rather we have, in a very meticulous way, thought about, okay, this is what we're going to give this week. This is what we're going to give on a weekly basis. And we do that. And then there is one final thing I would share with you. And that is, giving is profitable. Somebody might ask the question, well, how is it profitable? One way it's profitable, it pleases God. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God takes delight in a cheerful giver. Now, we're not, to, we're not to give grudgingly or out of necessity, but rather we give a free will offering 
because we want to. Because we, we step back, we think about all that God has done for us, and we give based on how he has blessed us. Listen again to what Paul said. Let, it, let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is profitable. And one of the reasons it's profitable is because it pleases Almighty God. We're in compliance with his will. So I would challenge all of us as we think about giving and as we give every first day of the week to, to simply consider the principles that we've talked about tonight and to realize that the work of the church, the work of the church universally, the work of the church locally, it is dependent on those of us who belong to the body of Christ giving of our own volition every first day of the week. When we give, we please God. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for the many blessings and favors that we enjoy in this life. We're so thankful for all of the material blessings that we receive on a regular basis. We're thankful for our places of employment. We're thankful for our health, our wealth, and for all that you have given us so freely. May we have the proper attitude toward giving. May we give as we have prospered. May we do so to further your cause here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be here tonight and you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you to come to Christ. I want to encourage you to come to Christ because Jesus paid the price for your sins. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, that Christ died for our sins. The whole scheme of redemption really revolves around the fact that men and women have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and thus God in his great mercy and grace sent his son to die for our sins. Here's what you need to do. Believe Jesus to be the son of God and then respond with an obedient heart. Repent of your sins. Turn away from a life of sin as Peter instructed on Pentecost Day in Acts 2.38. Confess his name before others like the eunuch did in Acts 8 verse 37. Be baptized so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. And then live faithfully until death. And the promise is the crown of life. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to his cause, we plead to you, we plead to you tonight to come home. Come back to a loving God who has promised to abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.